Hello and welcome to Fill Me Up. I'm Steve Walker and this is the show to help fuel your film discussions. Uh, before I get started, uh, I watched uh, I watched Maleficent and Maleficent 2 with my family over the weekend. And just why? Why make them? I mean, I, I've not been a fan of the Disney live action remakes. I'm not a fan of them doing them. Why make a film that, again, that's just going to be worse? But, and the thing that I've been saying is, why remake stuff? Why not just kind of make something different? Do something different with the things. So the characters, so having a film focused on the character was like, oh yeah, it's going to be good. But then it just retells Sleeping Beauty and goes, nah, but it didn't happen that way. And it's like, why? You've taken like the most villainous villain of all the Disney villains and like the head villain in like Kingdom Hearts, Maleficent is the head villain. Like just, and then you've just gone, nah, she's, she's, she was just misunderstood. She's, she's fine. Like, just don't do it. And then they've made a second one that's got nothing really to do with Sleeping Beauty anymore. It's just, why, why, why do that? Just make a villain, make a fill, make a villain. Make a film about a villain and just go with it. There's a great scene in Maleficent in the first one where she actually does the cursing and she's like, all the magic's gone around, she's a little green and Angelina Jolie's got that got that great smile, she absolutely smashes it. Just do a whole film of that, it was great. Just that her being a villain. I just wanted to see that. Uh, but no, we've got to make it good and have brown wings and things. Oh, it's just... Oh. It's just anyway anyway Disney in live action just stick to making them off rides actually don't because you get the Haunted Mansion and Tomorrowland which Tomorrowland was not bad but yeah just I don't know do what you want you Disney I'm not don't listen to me you you make your money you you make all the money in the world Moving on to Alpha Set. Alpha Set, for those that aren't aware, is where I take a letter of the alphabet and I watch three films based on that letter. This week it is E. Um, normally I post on Twitter what films I'm doing, but because last week I already posted on Twitter, then I. Uh, there's no excuse really. I should have posted on Twitter, but I didn't. I normally do uh, what films I do, but it is on Twitter somewhere. So, in my defence. Um, uh, but for those that aren't, didn't watch, it's not Aragon. That film about dragons that was based on books that only had one of them because it was not good, maybe? I don't know. It's not uh, uh, Equilibrium. I've seen it. It's the one with guns, kung fu, gun, gun fu. Uh, it's not uh, uh, Escape from LA or Escape from New York with Solid Snake from Metal Gear that's not Metal Gear. It's not those. The first one that we're doing is End of Watch. Uh, so End of Watch is where we follow, 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 follow two LA. What is going on today? I'm sorry. Uh, that we follow two LA police officers on their daily job and the criminal elements that they get caught up in. This film came out in 2012 when the world was supposed to end, uh, and the budget was seven million dollars, which is not a lot. 
and he made $55 million, which is not a lot, but it is enough to have made some money. Because as we all know, if we've been listening to the show, uh, or or you're aware of these things, I mean, not everybody will know, I don't know, that the budget is only the production budget, so you need to add basically the same for the marketing budget. So to make money, you need to make twice the amount of budget, um, or more than twice the amount of budget. So this one did make money. Um, it's got a 7.6 on IMDb, uh, 85% on Rotten Tomatoes. I myself gave it an 8 out of 10. I'd say it's very good, um, especially the relationship between the two leads. Um, so basically this film is found footage for a lot of it, 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 which I'm not a huge fan of found footage. I find it can be off-putting at times. But I think in this situation, it works quite well within the film. They have, like, cameras on their uniforms. And then there's a guy holding a camera, like, filming it for his filmmaking course or something. I don't know. Um, but, I mean, it can be very shaky and kind of hard to follow at times, which is why I don't really like it. But, I mean, that sort of can work to its benefit because it means you don't have to have... The scenes don't have to be that polished. But it kind of demonstrates the disorientation and the kind of chaos that's happening, which I think... If you're doing the whole film kind of like that and it's kind of a very personal sort of story and situation, you're following everything about these guys. I think that kind of works in that way. Uh, it's by directed by David Ayer, um, who did Suicide Squad. Um, but some other things. Um, and he, what he does is great character work, I find. You didn't see that in Suicide Squad, but probably that's down to the studio interference. Um, and the this is kind of epitomized in the the bond between uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Michael Peña. They bounce off each other so well. It feels like a real relationship, and they kind of they talk about their bond and their relationship a lot. And you kind of see they they like you don't just like in a lot of films you kind of they they're like oh yeah bro we we're, we're together it's it's me and you teamwork family but like in this you actually see that happening as well. Like there's a part where there's a fire at a house and like one of them shoving like the fireman away and being like, no, he's my bro. I want to, I want to take care of him sort of thing. And they're like wanting each other kind of things rather than like wanting the help from the fireman, which is really cool to say, I mean, it's probably not that, that healthy, but it's, it's, it's healthy for their relationship. Um, David A also did Fury, which is the war film where they're all in a tank. Um, and I thought, and that's, actually my favorite war film because of that sense of brotherhood and togetherness and the kind of family element that is there and it's just so good so just uh. um the love interests in this film are also great uh they're not just there for for the sake of it they are they are there to sort of round out everything and make everything feel so real and believable they feel like real characters they feel like feel real people uh they do flesh out the the lead characters but they are their own characters in their own film as well they are you could easily follow them doing stuff and like they're they're told that that their partner's jobs take on them and um, also the police work is really great there's lots of variety in the cases so you get to see them go around and do different things some escalated more than you expect them to which leads to some of the kind of plot elements but the fan footage i think really works in sort of selling the the kind of the action and the brutality and sometimes the gore because you don't 
it's kind of very realistic and because it's found footage it kind of makes it more visceral and more real um like a lot of the characters interactions they kind of take within the police uh kind of unit and stuff they kind of take the piss out of each other a lot but you can tell that there's like a family spirit because kind of when it has those kind of hard moments when stuff gets serious and there's like actual kind of action or stuff happening they are there for one another and they they do kind of care about each other um i think this this film does quite a good job at showing la kind of showing the different cultures and they use uh, the spanish language quite a lot when they're talking kind of between his hispanics and kind of different gangs and things and i think that use of kind of the flipping and swapping and changing of of languages is really good because like uh, the cops in this they kind of casually flip between kind of english and and spanish and it kind of shows kind of the mer- like the merging of all the cultures in la and kind of maybe some of the training that they have to do in order to interact with people and i think especially going back to the footage found footage cut sort of style of shooting it's almost a bit like a documentary because you're sort of following them in their day-to-day lives so almost and then everything sort of seems quite natural like all the escalations and the kind of reveals and stuff it doesn't seem like it's it's a story and it's been plotted out it seems like it's just unfolding naturally and like every like i've said before like everything seems real and like everything seems believable and i think that just is testament to everybody involved in this film like everyone does a really solid job at sort of selling their characters and kind of selling all the relationships and interactions and just it's just a fantastic sort of job between everybody um some fun facts for you though uh most of the banter between jake gyllenhaal and michael peña uh was actually improvised improvised it's not a word improvised um and you can i feel that that makes a real difference in that film because you it makes those scenes natural like i've said like everything make is believable it's natural and the fact that they improvised a lot of it means that that's how they were on set sort of thing and how they were in real life and so i think that's that's it's great it's a great choice to have done that uh the main characters were loosely based loosely loosely uh based on charles wonder and jamie mcbride who were real cops in the 90s in that sort of area that that the film is shot in um or setting which i think is uh i don't know it's kind of cool um that they like i say it like it is loosely based on them um part of their training uh actually involved 12 hour ride alongs for five months and also being tasered uh which i think most people in the cast were actually tasered but anna kendrick was like nah don't want to do that why am i doing that don't need to do that um but Jake Gyllenhaal actually witnessed a murder on his first ride along, which is a scary thing. Uh, I guess that sort of sells what this film is like, and you, you get that impression from people. Um, but like, I would say overall, this film is is great. It's fantastic. The shooting style kind of gets a, it can take a little bit to get used to, but I think it can work. It does work well in this film. Um, it's not all found footage. There are a lot of points where they kind of focus on the characters, sort of a bit more dramatically, but. I think the the fan footage stuff that is in there does work. Um, the next film, slightly different. Uh, this one's an animated film. It's only the second animated film that I've done. Um, and it's called Epic. Um, so this film goes as follows. As follows. Um, 
A young woman goes to live with her reclusive dad and gets caught up in a hidden world of tiny people and their battle. Um, it came out in 2013. This one had a budget of $100 million. Um, but it did make $268 million, So it did make some money. Um, it's got a 6.7 on IMDb. A 64% on Rotten Tomatoes. I myself gave it a 7 out of 10. I liked it. It's kind of a generic... But it, it's good. I mean, like I say, it's nothing spectacular. But what it does, it does it well. I mean, there are some big names in it, which I feel like... Like animated films, you don't really need big names in it. Like, sometimes you recognise the voices and then you go, oh, I don't... That's... That's... Just, like, that's so-and-so. And, like, for example, in this film, Beyonce's in it. And I feel like if you hadn't got Beyonce in it... I mean, she's not great in it. She's kind of a bit off-putting because it's Beyonce. And, like, I don't think... Beyonce is great at acting. She wasn't. I don't think she was great in the Lion King remake. I don't think she's great in this. I've not really seen her be proper acting, but her voice acting definitely isn't all there. Um, and I feel like if you've not got a big name like that, you could reduce the budget, got like an actual voice actor or a smaller actor um, that would have been better. Christoph Waltz is in this, and he is. Ooh, he's good. He's he's fantastic. His voice, because his voice is so sort of animated and he's so sort of weirdly cartoonish anyway, his voice just fits animation so well. Um, Amanda Seyfried and Colin Farrell are also in this film and they do a great job as well. Josh Hutcherson is also in this and he, he does a good job. Um, but yeah, I think that Christoph Waltz is probably the standout. And Colin Farrell gets to use his actual Irish accent, which uh, makes a nice change. Um so they use a MacGuffin in this film, which for those that don't know what a MacGuffin is, it's just like a, it's just like an object or something that the plot revolves around. Like it would be like a lot of the Indiana Jones films when they're going for like a, the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, like the Crystal Skull in that, that or the Raider or the Lost Ark or the Ark of the Covenant or whatever, or the Holy Grail. Uh, it's things like that. It's just something that the plot revolves around. Um, and they have a little pod in this. Um, I think it's a good inclusion. It kind of helps to keep the plot going forward all the time because they're always kind of searching or kind of protecting or trying to get this thing from one place to another. And I think because you've got a MacGuffin, it kind of helps to keep the plot simple. And I think that that benefits a film like this, like a family film. Um, I mean, I was a little confused about how this pod worked, if I'm honest. Because at the start, the Queen has to go and choose a pod to put her powers in. She has like weird plant growing powers or something and just go and choose and i thought the pod was then gonna hatch or whatever they do and then grow up to be the queen but then it turns out at the end that the pod ha unleashes its power and like it sort of hatches and then the power comes out and then it chooses a queen like it just latches onto a chat i don't know it's very strange anyway um i enjoyed the contrast between the worlds when i say worlds i mean the normal world and the tiny world the world. Um, I enjoyed it when the Leaf Men, they're called Leaf Men in the, in the, the book. In the book? In the film. I'm not in the book. Uh, in a, this isn't called Book Me Up. Though that would be a great podcast. Book Me Up. Um, anyway, when the Leaf Men uh, talk about people, they call them stompers because they just stomp around all the time, which I think is fun. And the fact that they make, they do a nice little thing in this where they say that everyone, all the tiny people will move too quick, so you can't see them. 
and that regular but that means that when you're one of the little people or ever all the regular people are in slow motion so like that which i think is a nice explanation for it why you can't see them and everything but it also makes for some kind of funny moments like um people having conversations between them and they're like talking normally and then you just hear like a tiny tiny little voice squeaking really quickly and then there'll be another one who's going i'm okay sort of thing it's very it's very good and kind of like the way that they have their people are animated slow and quick and stuff i think it works really well um I enjoyed the use of birds and bats as steeds and kind of how they implement kind of all the different animals and nature. Like there's mushroom men, there's leaf armor. Um, I thought it was really good. I don't know what the bad guys were supposed to be. I think they were moths. There's a toad in this. I don't know. They're just weird looking all kind of creatures. Um, there is a fun bird racing bit in this and it's very akin to pod racing in the Phantom Menace Star Wars. The first one that people didn't like that's got a, the red guy with the horns. I know he's called Darth Maul. He's cool. Um, there's also some shady dealings happening, kind of betting and things, which uh, I thought was quite good. Again, they got a big, they, well, they got a, a person that shouldn't be doing a voice acting role. Pitbull or people. Mr. Kodak, Mr. Put It In A Picture, they got him to do it, um, to do some voice acting and play some book, booky toad person. Um, and just, nah, just get someone else, get an actual voice actor in. Um, so, but um, they also had some caterpillar guy who's like this all-knowing, seeing person. And he has like, rings of knowledge in the tree which i thought was quite cool um and he's just got, which basically means he's just got access to like this archive of scrolls of stuff um which i think is a fun little bit of lore like everything that happens in history is written down on one of these scrolls and stuff and then they go and look for it i think that's quite cool um but then he tangs along i don't know why because that's like his base of operations and then he just goes yes i'm just gonna leave with you you saving the world yeah let's i'll i'll, I'll come along with you and be the weird kind of spiritual guy that's just like you you will do this sort of yoda character um there's also a snail and a slug which are the comedy relief they're kind of fun i feel like they're a little bit forced but i feel that they are more there for kids so like as an adult as an adult i feel that this was not suited for me <laughs> i'm just joking i don't know i just feel like it the kids might enjoy it more i feel like they're fine they're fine like they're not i feel like it would have been nice to have a few more sort of like hidden adult jokes in these sort of films but um stuff that kids stuff will go over the head of kids i did the i don't know why i'm doing a lot of stuff with my hands you can't see it i just did the going over my head whoosh over my head but you obviously can't see that i don't know why i'm doing that uh but yeah i also thought even though they're in animation and they're kind of like funny weird goofy characters they look they still look slimy and disgusting and just like don't want to touch them uh which is fun um fun facts about this film uh it's based on a william joyce book uh which is called the leaf men and the brave good book bugs and the brave good bugs book um the main and the main character mk or mary catherine she likes to be called mk it's not a good it's not a nice that's not a nice why don't you call yourself Mary Kate? 
like Mary Kate and Ashley. That's probably why you don't call yourself Mary Kate. Uh, it was named after William Joyce's daughter, who actually died of a brain tumour at 18. Um, so I thought that was a nice little touch that they kind of, because it's based on his work, that they actually uh, gave his daughter a, a touching thing with the with the main character's name. Uh, I think that's good. Um, also, this film took one million hours to make, and that's not an exaggeration. It just... It highlights how much work goes into film, like just one film. And like, this is like a one hour, 40 minute film. So it's not even like a particularly long film in the grand scheme of things, but it just shows how much work and effort and kind of how many people are involved in these things. So obviously that's not one person doing a million hours of work. That's, that's multiple people working on it at the same time. And it's just, yeah, good on them. Like it's, it's a pretty good film and it's, it's hard to make a film let alone a good film so i think this this they've done a great job um of course you get beyonce to do to do a film she's gonna sing a song isn't she so she sings a song rise up uh in the credits um i mean why don't if you're gonna get beyonce of course you're gonna get to sing she actually co-wrote that apparently um i feel that that i wonder whether that came first she was like yeah i'll do, I'll do that I'll, I'll sing a song for you but put me in the film first and they were like yeah sure we'll do that i mean the queen's not in it for a humongous amount of time but she's supposed to have but she almost has like the biggest kind of weight of emotional moments and just having beyonce's voice there i was like "Eh." like as soon as she started talking i was like that's beyonce isn't it um but overall do you reckon that what's an underall because you've obviously got overall is there an underall I'll have to Google that at some point. Somebody write in, tell me what under all means. Um, I'd say this is a pretty good family film. It's got some fun stuff in it. Um, It's pretty good. But I'd say it's nothing amazing. It's not like, oh, you must go out and see this. But it is very good. And it's definitely worth a watch. Uh, Third film this week. uh, We we are rattling through these this week. Um, we may get finished before 45 minutes, which may make a change. Don't know whether that's good or bad. It's up to you. Or me. I don't know. Third film, Escape Room. Um, so a group of people are all invited to go and take part in an unbeaten escape room to win $10,000. Uh, but when the rooms turn out to be more real than first thought, escape may be their only way of survival. Um came out last year, 2019. It had a budget of $9 million. So it's the low... No, it's not the lowest budgeted film this week. Because the other one had $7 million. Uh, it made $156 million. So it made a bunch of money. Uh, which is kind of the horror movie model. Low budget. And as long as you get... If you crack $100 million, you're, you're pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. Well off. Uh, it's got a 6.3 on IMDb, 51% on Rotten Tomatoes. I give it a 7 out of 10. I think it's a good execution of a very good premise. To me, this is like the Purge films. I feel that they they are incredible ideas and ideas that I wish I had come up with. And I think they make for some good films. Um, I feel that they're easy films to sort of make and do f- multiple kind of directions and go in different ways do multiple films of them um kind of like the pitch films this or this is sort of less of a horror and more of a thriller um 
I mean, I I did kind of want some more horror elements, but I mean, it's hard to do because you've got no real protect, uh, not protagonist, no real antagonist. Like, there's no no serial killer, no demon or anything. It's just the room is the antagonist. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know whether I was kind of expecting it to be more, maybe it was my expectations that it was going to be more of a horror film, but having thought about it, you can't, it's hard to do that. And I think, and like, it, it still makes for a very tense and kind of inventive thriller. Um, so there's no, I'm not really criticizing anyone for that. Um, the characters all work really well. There's a nice range of people, nice range of jobs and personalities and kind of just nice range of people. Um, they've all got a sort of interesting backstories that we kind of learn more about as we go through the film and it kind of helps you to relate to them a little bit. Um, there is a little bit bit of friction at first, but kind of as stuff gets more serious, they all sort of work together a bit more and kind of get on a bit better the more that they kind of go on and stuff that's kind of revealed. There is a character revelation later that explains some some dodgy behaviour. Um, but I think that's well thought out. He, he kind of teases it before and he's kind of... They're good at kind of doing the callbacks. Uh, there's also a seed that's planted right at the start with a character kind of before they get into the room when you get a bit of backstory that kind of comes into play later, which I think is, again, another good callback. It's kind of well... It's, it's well thought out. I mean, like, the traps in the actual rooms as well are well thought out. Um, they're not so obvious that you're like oh my god when you just do that it's very sort of like things are things are even like made specifically for those characters like something's happened in their past and like oh that's kind of a bit traumatic but then that pops up and it means that they know how that works or whatever like someone knows sign language or something um for an example um but yeah i think uh i've lost my notes where where have they gone Oh, here we are. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, this film opens with uh, someone kind of getting caught up in the room and getting trapped, and then it kind of goes back three days earlier, which I think sort of, I don't know, it was an interesting sort of thing. I'm not undecided whether I like it or not, because it kind of ruins kind of who gets through a little bit and who doesn't make it. But then it didn't go the way I expected it to, based off that initial scene, so it kind of subverted my expectations because of that. So I don't, I, I'm still undecided whether I like it or not. But I think, but going to the end, I think it sets up a sequel very well. Um, it kind of brand, means that you can branch out from kind of a room. I'll do a, a room in inverted commas because it, it kind of goes to multiple rooms and kind of goes to forms of transport, which, which would be an interesting way to go. And you kind of, hopefully in the sequel, you get to see more, behind the scenes which it's almost kind of setting that up um but yeah i would say one thing that i really noticed about this film because i did pause it at one point and it it was at like the 50 minute mark or the hour mark and i thought wow we've got through quite a lot of this already and like it just meant that the pacing was really good it kind of flew by um and just like it it was it's well done because you it, it's quite I felt like it was quite tricky and quite a daunting prospect to have to be just be watching someone solving puzzles basically but they've done it really well that the puzzles are complicated enough that you're obviously not going to go oh yeah that's that but um they're not too complicated that they can't that you're not just getting frustrated watching people and I think that it it worked quite well 
and the, the in sort of pacing and kind of time wise and I think that is, they've just done a very good job with that um, some some fun facts and some not so fun facts about this film um, so the release date for this film was actually pushed back um, because um, a group of girls actually died in a fire in an escape room in Poland uh, it turns out that that was a deliberate fire and the man responsible was actually arrested but because of that um it it was pushed back for which i think was a, the right move to make i mean if you've like you've had similar things with like um i think gangster squad uh, a number of years ago had a scene with people being shot in a cinema but when that actually happened in an actual real life cinema they just cut that out but you can't really do that with this film because the whole film is is that thing so uh, I think that pushing it back is probably a good idea. Um, so the company in this film that make the escape room are called the Minos Company. Um, and they are, it was thought that maybe they were named sort of after the guy who, after the guy that got arrested, but it's more likely that uh, it was named after the Greek king, King Minos uh, from mythology, who would send seven people into the maze of the Minotaur um, every nine years. So I think that's, that's probably makes more sense to me and it's a nicer story um there was actually an alternate ending to this film um so the student uh that's in this film that um in the in this ending would escape uh find a clue in a sudoku magazine and then that would lead her to a classroom um she then found the ten thousand dollars under a seat because she's escaped and then a camera and microphone would, would come up from the professor's podium, the door would shut, and then the disembodied voice would be like, a new game has started. You have just 90 minutes to escape. So, which I think, I mean, it's it's kind of fine, but again, it, it's I guess it's more of the same, and or less, because there's only one person. Um, so I think the way that they did end it, I think is a better ending. Um, so I'm kind of looking forward to to where it goes because uh, it does tease it um, like I say this film uh, is less horror more thriller but it's a very good and tense film regardless and it it's a great premise like I feel it was a great premise so you've made a good film out of it we're now moving on to a film that wasn't uh, for those that are unaware this is where i talk about a film that uh unfortunately didn't get made for some reason it's it's always money uh, or control those those that's what makes the world go round um this week i'm talking about the tourist uh no it's not the the tourist that came out in 2010 that had johnny depp and angelina jolie where he's a stranger but he's also her, her dead husband i don't know i've never seen it anyway this is a film in fact, I want you to cast your mind back to 1980. Uh, a woman called Claire Noto has written a script for The Tourist, not the 2010 one, and is now shopping it around to studios. Uh, so this script tells of the story of a woman named Grace Ripley, not related to Ellen Ripley uh, of the Alien franchise, but she is an alien. She's a worm-like alien who's been exiled from her planet and sent to die on a ship that is sent set to explode uh but uh the ship doesn't explode for some reason and she is stuck on earth um 
and kind of comes into contact with some other aliens who are living underground and they kind of have to adopt a human facade to fit in. Um, so it's a dark, grimy tale. It's like the script focuses on existentialism. I don't know if that's a word. Existen- it seems like a word. I'm just going to say it, existentialism. Um, but it also, for those that are uh, into their, their weird stuff, it's got a lot of freaky sex in it. Um think some of the weirdest fetishes you find on the dark web kind of freaky um because it's aliens uh noto uh when talking kind of about uh writing the script she said that i love the whole idea of a man who could walk around in a boarding house in washington who was from another planet and you didn't recognize his alienness the idea of a human being who wasn't a human being had been in my mind for a long time uh it's sort of based i guess Inspired loosely on the kind of the day the earth stood still sort of thing that came out in the 50s. Uh, Universal Studios, um, they said that they liked it. Uh, they got a guy called Brian Gibson on to direct, who uh, he didn't direct this obviously, but he went on to direct Poltergeist 2. I don't know, that's pretty much all that I'd know that he directed. Uh, and they got a producer called Rene Mizel uh, to produce it. Uh, there was some friction over the kind of direction and the commercial appeal of the script. Um, so the story kind of goes on to say that Grace uh, Grace Ripley had to find this guy called John Tiger? Tiger? T-A-I-G-A. Tiger. Because apparently he can find a way off of Earth, but he's a species that is Grace's species nemesis. Um and once, and because of that, he refuses to give her a ride, and then there's a fight. Um, I guess that there was more potential there for more blockbuster-style action, but it, it wasn't necessarily written that way. It seems that, from what I've read, the actual, that that sort of fight at the end is just a short bit at the end. And the, like I said, most of the film is sort of existential and kind of weird, sexy things. I don't know. So, uh, Mizettle, but... That's not what people wanted. The people, the Universal actually wanted uh, kind of a bit more blockbuster sort of thing. Um, Mizell, uh said that I worked with Claire Noto on her first script and we got along fine. Uh, with The Tourist, uh, it was clear that she was unwilling or unable to do a rewrite to fix problems with the script. The studio was refusing to go ahead without the rewrites. So it's just a clash of things. Noto wanted the script stay the same and for stuff to be done the same but universal wanted to rewrite it and kind of like the idea but wanted more blockbuster stuff um the reason why mazelle said i got we got along fine was the fact that there was these sort of issues and the sort of reports of people kicking each other off of projects and things like that and, and things like that but in the meantime hr geiger the guy who uh designed the xenomorph for alien uh as well as some other bits and pieces, he was brought on board, and he designed, this was right up his alley, because he has been to some weird, alien sexy things, um, like most of Alien is weird sexual allegories, like the face huggers, when they shove a thing down your throat, that's like raping you, and things like that, it's weird, weird stuff, um, but he designed some very freaky sexual concepts, um, and, but everyone seemed to like what he was putting out, not in that way, but everyone seemed to like it. Um, but the difference between Noto and the studio 
got too great so she left or was pushed don't know there's differing things um brian gibson also left the project um and a guy called frank rodham was brought in to direct he directed quadrophenia i think i've heard of that film i don't know anything about it but i've heard the title um and also francis ford coppola the guy who didn't make uh, megalopolis but did make the godfather he had a production company that came on board but it was kind of bad timing because his production company was kind of not doing very well and they went under uh, at the time so but the production was still no closer to being made um but so that that was in the meantime years have passed we're now in 1997 uh and you know what happened in 1997 that's right I was in a play at school where I played a rabbit and shook my bunny tail. That's what happened. But also what happened is that Men in Black happened, uh, which is practically the same thing, but they've got agents of protagonists and more of a comedic, comedic tone. Comedic tone. Um, also, no sex. There's no sex in that film. There is a weird tentacle birthing scene, but no sex. Um, so... It's hard for Universal to now make a film like that. I don't even I know. It's a Sony thing, I think. I don't know, but I don't know whether. But Sony wouldn't be able to make a film in that sort of vein now, and it was sort of left to die. Um, films kind of similar to like the original premise have happened, like that sort of dark and maybe more sort of sexual tone have happened. Uh, Ex Machina and Under the Skin um, have happened. They're sort of more independent films that are kind of low budget aliens slash robot sort of things with sexual and existential things which uh so it was maybe kind of the right script but just at the wrong time um because there was no sort of big independent sort of uh studios right then um i think it could have been interesting had they made it um kind of i feel like if you were gonna i don't know it could have been interesting either way like the 80s style grime kind of a la blade runner would have been interesting but I get it might not have held up that well because of that. Um, no one's sort of really interested in it anymore, apparently, in in, the, in making it in the script. I mean, the script's been rewritten so much that it doesn't really resemble the original. So it, you, it's hard to make either the original or the kind of the one that the studio wanted, just because the newer stuff is kind of like too bland and almost overdone now. Uh, and they sort of be like, oh, it's ripping off Men in Black or whatever. So it's just one of those things. It's it's they didn't they didn't get their asses in gear. They didn't make it quick enough. Um, I think it's one of those things. Like it's hard to say where the blame lies. I don't think anyone's really at fault. I think you if you write something, um, and you want it to be a certain way, um, I think the fact that the studio wanted a, a completely different thing to what she'd written basically in sort of terms of tone kind of it was almost like a wrong a bad fit from the start uh people have sort of claimed that claire noto was actually really good and like her script's amazing it's kind of notorious as being like one possibly the greatest script that never got made sort of thing and like that she her career kind of she didn't really have a career because of kind of everything that happened but that she it's kind of a missed opportunity because she was really good so, um, but I think, but in the end, it is a business and kind of what that, 
the way that her script was maybe pro- didn't seem to have been able to fly at the time. Like it might have worked now, but um, it wouldn't have worked at the time. So I think again, it's a sort of a shame. But I don't think I've I, unlike some of the other films that have come in the past. I don't think this film maybe would have done that well. Um, like we, I talked about Ghost Ghost Soldiers, like the war film with Steven Spielberg the other week, and I think that I feel that that would have smashed it out of the park. But I feel like this one maybe kind of would have went under the radar a little bit um because it's not like blade runner with with no it doesn't really have much action in it so i don't know maybe maybe it's uh maybe i think maybe it will work now but i think if someone got in touch with noto and kind of went let's let's try and get this made now but i don't know if she kind of wants to um it's kind of too far gone but um yeah that was that was uh the tourist So now we're moving on to the final part of the show, which is quick fic. Um, I will take one of 20 characters, put them in one of 20 film franchises and try and make a prequel, sequel, spin off or reboot of them. Um, It's always the same 20 characters and always the same 20 franchises. So sometimes we'll get a repeat, but the chances of that are slim, I would feel. Um, but we will see what we get. Um, in the past, we've had Predator in Star Trek. We've had Buzz Lightyear in Indiana Jones. So let's see what we get in this week. So the first thing that we've got to do is decide what kind of film we're making. I say decide, I mean randomly choose one. Here we go. It's a prequel. Making a prequel uh, with Rocky. Rocky Balboa is being in a prequel to... Back to the Future. Oh boy. Um, so we did do a, a sequel to Back to the Future with um, with Shrek the other week, if you may remember. And I I love the old ideas that I came up with that. But this one is now a prequel with Rocky. So how do we do that? Well, Rocky came out. Did Rocky come out in the 70s or did it come out in the 60s? So chronologically, in terms of our timeline, it actually came before. So... How do you... So maybe... Um, oh, I don't know. Maybe... Isn't there some weird sort of um, thing in Rocky 3 with a robot? I guess we're just putting the, the character of Rocky in it. In the Back to the Future world. So I can't really take any anything from the Rocky world. Uh, but I can say that Rocky... Could, I don't know. How do you get Rocky into Back to the Future? Um... So he normally fights like so in the later films he tends to fight like weird caricature sort of people, doesn't he? Maybe he is a friend of Doc Brown somehow. Or he has heard of Doc Brown somehow and he decides to ask Doc Brown to create some sort of robot to fight. Um and so, or maybe he's, he wants a robot to spar with in preparation for fights. Um, I feel you've got to make a time, there's got to be time travel in it somewhere, doesn't there? In order to make it work, make it a Back to the Future film. So maybe uh, he, yeah, he talks to Rocky, he tries to, um, Rocky wants a robot made 
Uh, Dot Brown isn't quite sure, so he decides, I'm going to go to the future. There'll be, it sounds like a thing from the future. He goes to the future, gets a bot from the future, comes back, gives Rocky the robot. Uh, but then there's some Biff Tannen's dad or something is involved. And he, or or what's, a, what's one of the villains from Rocky? Um, the Russian guy. What's his name? Dolph Lundgren. Can't remember his name. Oh, that's annoying me. But that guy, Dolph Lundgren, maybe he he gets a sniff of it. He gets a sniff of what's going on and he decides he wants his, wants the robot for himself. And there's fights over the robot uh, and, and shenanigans. I think that that's maybe a thing that could happen. Um, and then in the end, Doc Brown decides to take the robot back. I don't know. Maybe the Russians decide to... Because the Russians were the villains in the 80s, right? So maybe the Russians decided that they wanted to take this robot and reprogram it in order to do some things. Um, also, an idea is that uh, in Back to the Future, the way that Doc Brown powers his time machine, the DeLorean, is through is from uranium, I think, um, which he gets from some Libyan terrorist because he says that, yeah, I'm going to blow up some people i'm gonna blow up some peeps but obviously he doesn't and then it'll be in terrorists chase him and kill him and that's why back to the future starts because they're running away from uh living terrorists but maybe he th- there is some other shenanigans with other things trying to get power it and rocky uh maybe it's something to do with the russians maybe he tries to get something from the russians and there's some shenanigans there and Rocky's having to help him and with the boxing match. I don't know. I don't know how that would work, but maybe there's something, maybe there's something there uh, in terms of powering. Maybe, maybe Rocky has to just punch a punching bag loads. Maybe, maybe he gets Rocky and he's just in a, one of those hamster wheels. He's just, just running around and that's how he powers it. Maybe something like that. He uses a speed bag. That's it, he's just got to keep punching, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, but yeah, I think something like that would be good. Um, and then you just put, get Rocky in there somehow in sort of boxing. Maybe it's sort of like the some sort of en- performance-enhancing drug. Um, and he needs Rocky to go undercover to be like, yeah, I need some I need some, uh, some performance-enhancing drug, yeah. Oh, but that's so bad, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, and... No, I'm not actually. I'm sorry to my. I'm sorry for myself. I'm sorry to me for ha- for doing that. Um, but uh, maybe that's that's how uh, Doc Brown tries to power his Dolorean is through performance enhancing drugs. Um, and Rocky has to get get some. I think that's a good thing. Steroids. He powers it through steroids. Sure. Um, but yeah, I think that would be fun. That's probably the best one I've got, as opposed to the weird robot thing. Um, cause he's trying to get, cause at the start of it, he's got it all set up, hasn't he? So I think that's a, that's a good way of getting it sorted and being a good prequel ties in nicely rather than it just being another back to the future adventure sort of thing. So, uh, anyway, if you have any better ideas than me, which you don't, cause, uh, that was the best, that was the best one. No, it's not, you, you could do better, I'm sure. But if you do have any ideas, you can about, about quick, this quick fic or, about any of the films that we talked about, 
or about any films in general uh, about Maleficent and how bad it is or anything or about Artemis Fowl which apparently is also bad um, then please let me know at All Out Walker on Twitter um, or at Fill Me Up Pod at Outlook.com that's also same places if you want to follow me and find out what uh, films are coming out I'm looking at each week I will be letting people know on Monday what films I'll be choosing for set F. I haven't decided right now, so I don't know what they are. Um, and, yeah. That'll do right. We're, we're, we're good. We're good. I think we're good. I think we're good. Uh, so, I will see you. I mean, I won't see you. But I will know that you're there. I will know that you are here in spirit. And I will have pictures of random people on this little cupboard in front of me. And they will, they will be you. You will be there somehow. You will, I, I'll know. I'll know. Uh, but I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this absolute nonsense. I've, I don't know what's going on today. I'm sorry. Uh, bye. <laughs>